The Gemara in Daf Chafalev in Shabbat, which we're all familiar with because of its uh, immediate halachic ramifications, almost every day of Hanukkah we think about how we're going to Mekayim it. And the Gemara has a, a shir for Hadrakat Neirot, Ad Shetachale Regal Minashuk. It's not clear immediately what the intention of the Gemara is. And the most important the, the most important possible ramification is that you can't light after that time, which would restrict us uh, uh, greatly, that you have to light with, uh, if, if you understood it the way the Rishonim understood it, and the way the Gemara understood it, that's a very short period of time after Shkir uh, Otzeit, another half an hour or something like that, it would be very much restrictive. So the Postgame already say that uh, uh, once upon a time, people didn't walk out at night time, they had to be home by the time the, the sun set, but... Uh, it's uh, as long as people are still around. Therefore, we all extend it much, much further. But there are other perushim as well. The other perush, the other well-known perush, that that's how long the candle has to burn. Um, and then we take it literally, that's the half hour that the Gemara mentions. Uh, it has to burn for, you should have enough oil for this, that amount of time. Um, but there's another pshat, um, which, uh, or another ramification, which is quoted by the Vith. I'm quoting from the Rush because there's going to be a steel in the Rush later on. If I, I'm quoting from the Rush, but it's actually originally found in the Vith. In, in, in the, Vif. the Rush writes um, about what it means. Um, he says, so the first trait is that you, you, you have to light by the time that, b- before that period of time is over. Inami, another pshat, the Shiura, which was the second explanation we gave, that that's how long it has to burn. And then the third shot, which is taken from the riff. It comes to tell you, it's the same, it's the same principle, but an opposite not how long it has to burn, but how long it doesn't have to burn. In other words, it has to burn for at least that half hour, but after that half hour, it doesn't have to burn. And therefore, what's an afkamina? One is that you can, you can turn it off. Uh, if you want. Why would you want to turn it off? Uh, there are two reasons. The real reason for 95% of Jewish history is to save money because Shemin is expensive. The reason for us is because we're afraid the house will burn down. We're walking out of the house. We don't, we don't want to leave it burning while we're not there. But it will be mutter to, to put out the light. The second nafkamina is, oh, you don't put it out, but since there's another halach which says that the, the, uh, the more extreme version in the Gemara, and Abchav Gimel, is She'ein l'harzot ma'ot l'ifnehem, you're not even count money. We should have explained that's a bigger chiddush than using it because it's not, it's not so much utilizing, it's just accidental. Derech Agav is a little bit of life, even that's also. You're not allowed to have any hanaz, we say in Alanisim, E'en l'ishtamesh pehem, E'la l'irotam bilvad. So he says, after the half hour's over, mutal l'ishtamesh l'orah harashut b'yada. In other words, the riff and the rush are understanding it, that uh, the mitzvah is to burn half an hour. Once the mitzvah is over, so it's not, you're not doing a mitzvah anymore. The light is simply, is simply there. So therefore, it's no longer, it's not even a Hanukkah licht anymore. It's not Hanukkah, as far as these lights are concerned. Therefore, the isa of having benefit from the, or u- utilizing the lights for your own purpose is no longer, is no longer in effect. It makes a lot of, makes a lot of sense. And the problem is that the rush a few lines later, uh, quotes a what he quotes the name of the Sheiltot. It's a uh, the source. All the Rishonim quote it. They don't have a Gemara, uh, although it sounds like a Gemara. Uh, but they quote the name of the Sheiltot of Achagon. That's where it's found. The uh, Jewish says Tosfot and Dafim Daladim and Bet, which I'll quote uh, shortly, seems to think or he quotes it as though it was a Brighter, even though it's not in any Shas or any version of the Shas or any Taviyat of Shas that we have. So it probably was a mistake in the Tosfot. He probably also only had it from a an outside source. Uh, as I'll quote later on, uh, the source is actually found in the Psikta of the Rav Kahana. Uh, but this is what the Shiltot says. This is Siman Tet in the Rosh. It's a page later. Shiltot of Achegon. Ne'er Chanukah. Shehotir b'shemen ma'u tzarich l'asot po. Very often, even if you don't put out the candle, but there's always some oil left in the, uh, even in those days when they knew how to light candles, there was always some oil left in the, in the pach, in the, in, the, in the receptacle. So what do you do with the, with the leftover oil? So the answer that the Shiltot gave, or he, he says, Tashma the Tanu Rabban. He's quoting a Tanu Rabban. He's quoting a, a, a Chazal source, but it's not in the Gemara. Tanu Rabban, Neo Chanukah, Shehotir Bo Shemin Biyom Rishon, 
Mosif alav umadlik biyom sheni. So if at the end of the first day there's a little shaman left in the pach, so you just add more oil and you light it for the second day because you're lighting the same candle the second day. He's presumably referring to lighting only one candle. It's many candles. You're lighting many candles every day. But whatever shaman is left, so you convert it the next day. No problem. What was the svara that you couldn't do that? I mean, it's obvious that you could do that unless you think there's something called lishma in Eivot Chanukah, that the first day oil is only for the first day. Makes no sense. Nobody could say that. So the Kiddush is that that's what you have to do. You shouldn't use it. You shouldn't take it and drink it. You should leave it for the next day and burn it the next day. Biyom sheni, mosif alav, umaliko biyom shlishi, v'chem shara yamim. Okay, so every day you use it for the next day. What's the next line going to be? What are you doing the eighth day? Obviously. Aval im otir biyom shmini, oselo midura v'sofo b'fnei atzmo, l'fishu hukza l'mitzvah asur dishnamesh mimenu. So what are you doing the eighth day? You, you don't light, you can't light for chanuk candles, here really positive it's us, so you take it and you make a midura. Might be a lot of oil. Uh, the post can add also the ptilot, but here it only says the shemen, and you make a medurah like a like a bonfire. This is a very small bonfire. Uh, the first time my wife saw me doing this, she was was big enough that she thought the, the curtains would catch fire. Maybe she was right. Uh, so you try to make a small bonfire, and you burn it all up. In other words, why would you do that? So obviously there's no mitzvah on the ninth day to make a bonfire. It's clear because there's nothing else you can do with it. The shemen is asur, as the source says, Huktzal mitzvata. Huktzal mitzvata is a very unclear term in Allah. The word muktzah comes from Shabbat, and the things you're not allowed to use on Shabbat because they're muktzah. But there's a concept called huktzal mitzvata, which is found in two or three places in Shas, and it's always a very difficult circuit. The, the most prominent place is in Sukkah. You're not allowed to utilize during Sukkah. You can't. You have fruits hanging in the Sukkah. You can't eat them because huktzal mitzvata or the the schach, even the fruits, not not just the schach, even the adornments in the Sukkah huktzal mitzvata. Um, so here it says that the Shemen is Hukzana Mitzvata. There's an obvious contradiction between the two sources in the verse that I just quoted. One, he says that you can have Hana'ah from the Shemen on the first day after half an hour. As soon as the time is up, the, the prohibition of having uh, use, Shimush, the Olah, no longer applies. A few lines later, he says that on the ninth day, you can't use the Shemen for anything because it's, it's, it's Hukzana Mitzvata. Both these sources are, are actually quoted in Shulchan Aruch, uh, they're quoted in the Torah, they're quoted here in the Rash, generally without comment. The Beit Yosef noticed the contradiction. He gives a very difficult and not very plausible answer. He, he says that the, um, the, the Sheven that you have to burn on the ninth day is only if it's within the amount that should have burnt in half an hour. In other words, the candle went out early on the eighth day, and halach is, it's machlok in the Gemara that kapta uh, If the candle goes out early, you don't have to relight it. You have to have enough oil to burn half an hour, but you don't need a half an hour. So if it went out by accident, you set it up so that it should burn for half an hour, but it went out the wind or something, put it out somehow. So you already did your mitzvah, you did enough. So there could be shemen left over that was meant to be burnt for the mitzvah of the eighth day. So that you have to really burn up, because that's uksana mitzvah ta. But extra shemen, just like you're allowed to use it on the first day, the Shemin that was after the half an hour, you're allowed to come and count your coins, you could do your fingernails by that light. So there's no reason to burn it on the ninth day either. All the Shemin above the one ounce that's necessary for a half hour burning is not Hukzala Mitzvata. That's the Beit Yosef's answer. So it's clearly difficult because that's not what it says. And the Rush quotes it without any comment. And uh, it's clearly not the obvious shot in the words, Mota HaShemen Shebaner, the extra Shemen in the Ner, means whatever's there. You don't have to, it's almost inconceivable, practically speaking, the person would come, we start measuring how much Shemen is there. Is it more than half an hour, less than half an hour? Uh, it's a logical answer, but it's more or less clear that that wasn't the intention of, uh, of the source. And so the usual answer that's given, uh, and, and in Shulchan Aruch, by the way, the Beit Yosef quotes his answer, Lahalacha. When he quotes this halacha, so he says that any shemen on the ninth day, after the eighth day, any oil that was within the amount of the shiur, half an hour, from the eighth day, you have to make a midurah, you have to make a bonfire and burn it up. But the other oil, he passes halacha lemaisa, that you don't have to. Um, offhand, that's not the intention of the she'iltot or the rishonim who were quoting the rush, who quoted. So the usual answer that's given is a uh, technical lambdash answer between the two different isurim that are being spoken of here. Uh, having hana'ah from the light 
is different than uh, utilizing the oil itself. Uh, and in fact, the Gemara uses a different Russia. When the Gemara says that you can't have anah from the light, so there's a machloket in the Gemara, and uh, Abaye, I think, is the one who said to Rabba, V'chi, uh, oh, Kedusha Yeshba, why, why can't you have anah from the light? There's, there's nothing there. It's not like it was hektesh or something which is sacred. It's just light. And the Gemara gives the answer, Mishum Bizui Mitzvah. Uh, it's a different Isa altogether. Uh, there's an Isa of Bizui Mitzvah. It's a little bit hard to to quantify exactly what the intention is, but Mitzvah don't have Kedusha, but they deserve respect. So certain activities show Bizui Mitzvah. It's not offhand clear, I think, to all of us why if you have Hanukkah candles burning. So you needed to, to check the time on your watch, which doesn't have an illuminated dial. So you wouldn't be allowed to do it because it's Bizui Mitzvah. Uh, why is it Bizui? Bizui means, what's a good English translation of Bizui? I really could give this shit much better in Hebrew than in English. Despising. Um, well, despising. That's too short. Degradation. You need a big word. It's a, it's a very simple word in Hebrew, but a very complicated word in English. All right, somehow it's an insult. It's an insult. We would say that, but that's what it means. You know, levazot mishu is to insult him, to, uh, to degrade him. Uh, so, but, uh, all right, but the Gemara gives that example. That, that, that's the concept. The concept of using the oil on the ninth day, the, the language used in the Shiltot was Hukzah and Mitzvatah. It's a different Isa. Muktzah is an object which, because it was meant for one purpose, can't be used for anything else. So just like on Shabbat, which is a different issue, but the same idea. Something on Shabbat, it's muktzah not to be used. The point is, it has an intent in one direction. You can't put in another intention. So on Shabbos, it's the other way around. Shabbos thinks of muktzah because they've been designated not to be used. Either because they're also because you decide not to use them according to Rabbi Huda. So certain things are things that I'm talking about. Rabbi Huda holds that there's a real Isu called Muktzah. So he says you have something which you put away in a storehouse. You, you have no intention of using it, so that's Muktzah. So because it's in, going in this direction, you can't go in that direction. Hukzah Mitzvata is, it's a positive Muktzah, not a negative Muktzah, but it's the same idea. It was, it's been dedicated for the use of a Mitzvah, so it shouldn't be used for anything, for anything else, Pachol. It's not Kedusha in the technical sense, but it was what we would call uh, sanctified in the sense that it's meant for A, therefore it can't be used for B. Bizui Mitzvah is a different concept. It means it has nothing to do with an object. It may not necessarily be any object, but when you're doing a mitzvah, you have to do it in a nice manner and not in a manner which reflects a lack of, of uh, respect for, uh, for the mitzvah. So what the Achonim usually say, uh, many Achonim, I've seen this in a number of places, is that while the mitzvah is taking place, the half hour when it's burning, it's not that you're not allowed, the, 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 the concept is not that you can't use the oil, which happens to be true, but that'll, be, that'll come later. It's that you're doing a mitzvah with one hand. You're not doing anything in particular. The candles burn on their own. But the mitzvah is being performed on the one hand. And on the other hand, on the other hand of the oil, you're using it for something else. So that's distracting. It's a, it's a lack of respect for the mitzvah. But that only applies when the mitzvah is actively being done. I'll give you an example which may strike us as extreme because Mishnah Buddha says you shouldn't do it, but I'll be did. It's surely true. If you have something which is a mitzvah, when the mitzvah is over, you can throw it out. Bitzvah Mitzvah doesn't exist. That's why old tzitzis, you're allowed to throw out. The meaning is not to do it. We look to find something else to do it. But Alpidin, it's surely true because there is no Kedusha in the tzitzis. It's only a Mitzvah. So while the Mitzvah is, is still active, you have to show respect for them. You shouldn't drag them on the floor. But once the Mitzvah is finished, because whatever, you're throwing out the Beged or the, 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 the tzitzis apostle or whatever. So there's no inherent Kedusha in the thing. But while the Mitzvah is taking place, you have to have the right attitude towards the Mitzvah. Hoksa mitzvasa is a din in a particular object which has a din called moksa. That's not a din, it's not a din in the ma'aseh mitzvah. It's a din in the chefza of the mitzvah. And that applies even afterwards. Once it's become hoksa mitzvata, so it, 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 it could apply. Immediately we'll see the, 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 uh, the definition, but that could apply afterwards. So when you have benefit from the light, you have to explain why the second halacha doesn't apply in the first case. To have benefit from the light while the candles are burning is not a problem of hooks of the mitzvata because you're not actually using it. Uh, technically speaking, there's a Gemara that says, uh, seeing something, smelling something, or uh, listening to something is not considered to be hana, not considered to be benefiting from the object. It's not a physical or material enough hana to be considered hana. 
It's a problematic statement. We won't go into the details. Tosa says that there is an Isu Devabonon. It's only Mutamidiyavaita. So Bishara Macholik. But in any event, it's classically speaking, it's not actually benefiting. If I take something and I eat it, or I use it, or I sit on it, or I... But just to look at something, to look at a picture on the wall, which is Asubana, so surely Midiyavaita, there's no Isu. And Kota Sabi Shara, not even Devabonon. Right, no, that, that, right, that's the point. In other words, the example given the Gemara is Asul le Ratzot Ma'ot. You're not allowed to count money. So the truth is, I have to be, I, I think there's a distinction there. When the Gemara says Mara, Ein Me Mishum Meach, Ein Mishum Meila, the Gemara means to look at something and to enjoy looking at it. You have a very beautiful picture, which is Asul Banal. The example given in the Gemara is that when they had to fix something in the in the Beit HaMikdash, in the Heichal, even in the Kachim Kachim, so they had to fix it, they had to go in, so they used to send the them in, but they were supposed to not look at things, because they shouldn't have Hanah from seeing the beautiful Kruven. Uh, I assume that's a very difficult thing to do, but uh, that's what they were supposed to do. Then it says, it's not really us, because Mara Emushumech, using the light to see my fingernails might be worse, because there you are using light, you're not just looking at the light and enjoying the light, you're using it to do something. But, okay, so the assumption is that it really wouldn't be us to be did muksa. But, Bizui Mitzvah, it still is. You know, the fact that it's very fact that you're, you're using it for anything shows that you're showing less respect for the mitzvah which should have been set aside, put it on a pedestal, and not be utilized. So, the, and, but, uh, so the one hand, that Easter applies even to just seeing, even to just looking, but it ends when the half hour is up. Hooks of the mitzvah, you have to actually use. You, know, so you have the shemen. So if you want to look at the Shemin on the ninth day of Hanukkah, the tenth day of Hanukkah, tenth day after Hanukkah, you can look at it. Very pretty Shemin. I like looking at it. It gives me a warm feeling. It's a cold day. I just look at the Shemin. I feel warm. But that's okay. But you're right. But to cook it, to eat it, to uh, to uh, dab it on your nose, that would be also. And that's why. And that's the second halacha. So on the one hand, half hour is up. There's no longer an isul to benefit on the side benefit Derech Agav. The candle continues to burn. I'm not taking it away. But I'm just also showing that I have extra things to do with it. No, you should you should dedicate it to only one thing. Half hours up, that's motor. But the Shemin itself remains, remains up. So that's the usual terrace. To be, to be honest, it, there's still a problem. Because as Tosos points out in Daf Memdalid, even things which are hooked to the mitzvah, it's only in the period when the mitzvah applies. The Gemara says that you're not allowing, we all understand this is true, when you, uh, you have these, I, mean, I take it back, those of us who are very old might remember the days when real fruits were hanging in the sucker, before they invented plastic. The day they invented plastic, we no longer need, I don't know why we have vegetables at all anymore. <laughs> uh, we've invented plastic. When I was young, we used to hang real peppers, real green peppers in the sucker. Very dangerous thing, because as the eight days go by, the red peppers turn red, and usually, on Hashanah Rabbah, they explode. Uh, apples, I imagine, were, had a longer life uh, expectancy. But it's clear that after Sukkot is over, you're allowed to eat them. No one, what do you do with afterwards? You bury them? I mean, uh, uh, the Gemara is explicit. The Gemara says, Noi Sukkah, also call Shiva. Which today would be, uh, because of the din of Shemini uh, says afterwards, maybe it's eight days, because that might be nine days. But in any event, uh, it's only also on Sukkot. And here, the Allah we're quoting says that it's also even afterwards. You have to make the Bedurah on the eighth day. Tosfus asked this question on Memhei, uh, Ahmed Aleph. And he gives an answer, Tosfus gives an answer, which could be true. Uh, Tosfus writes, Memdal, Ahmed Aleph, sorry, Memdal. Tosso says, um, He says like this, he's compared to Ne'er Shabbat. Ne'er Shabbat also, you'll say you like, you like candles on Shabbat. So Tosso says a source that says that uh, if the candle went out, uh, obviously, you can't put it out because it's Shabbos, but the candle went out, so you can use the shaman to uh, to fry to fry potato chips. Uh, so Tosfos explains it's like this: when you light candles on Shabbat, or the same thing between the sukkah, so milchatchila, you meant it to burn for as long as you need it. So on Shabbat, it's for when you're eating your suda, and for, for sukkah, it's for seven days. But he says since the mitzvah of Hanukkah is per suma nisa, 
Therefore, if you put in this amount of oil, you're happy that it all should burn. Now, the longer it burns, the better. So it's true, the Gemara we just quoted said half an hour is enough. But Tosas here claims, even though half an hour is enough, 45 minutes is better. And an hour is better. And therefore, muksa, which is a mental concept, it's, it's, a, it's a verb, lahakzot, a person, when he puts the shemen into the nair, intends, desires, or also intends, that it should all burn up. And all burn up with tzarech mitzvah, not just because he's lazy. He would like it to burn two, five hours, because the more the better, the more pesuman there is. The better, the better the mitzvah would be. And therefore, you will maxa all the oil. You put in really too much oil. We always put in too much oil. Meaning, it must be too much. It's not too much. It's more than the minimum. But it's less than the maximum. Because there is no maximum. So therefore, Tosas claims that the haksa'ah, the muksa of oil in the Hanukkah menorah, is all of it. And therefore, it's us, and whatever's there, it's not, there's no time, it's not, there's not a time a limit, there's an amount limit. And the amount limit is infinite. So therefore, all the oil is mutza even on the 8th, 10th, and 12th day. Whereas on Shabbat, there's, there's a, the amount is the time limit. In other words, you only set it up for the minimum that you needed. Why do we like candles on Shabbat? So we should have light when we eat. It's because of Shalom Bayit. There should be enough light to not to be sitting in the dark on Shabbat. So therefore, whatever's left over is really mutter. Same thing for sukkahs. Why do you hang things in your sukkahs? So your sukkahs should be pretty. So how long do you want it to be awesome? There is not an amount, but a time. But you only need it for seven days. You have no intention whatsoever that the eighth day should be awesome. In the candles for Hanukkah, you also don't intend the eighth day should be awesome. But you intend that all the shemit should be awesome. Since all the shemit should be awesome, it's also even on the eighth day. That's Tosa's tenets. It's an interesting tenets because you can prove from this, as opposed to what I implied ten minutes ago, that the minimum is not a minimum. The minimum is only a minimum. That Tosas really says here explicitly that the more the merrier. And that's why a person is makzeh shemen b'neir Hanukkah, all the shemen. He's not just saying, I don't know how much to put in, so I want half an hour to be kodesh. And the other half is just sitting there. Because of the concept is pesum he says the more pesum, the better, the better it is. Um, according to that, at least l'chatchila, so you really shouldn't put it out. Words, if you have a choice, you don't have any particular need to put out the shemen, so it's a bigger mitzvah to leave the candles burning as long as long as possible. Um, when I when I when I first got married, I got a gift from I don't remember who. Um, that was a uh, it looked like a Hanukkah menorah. It also had two uh, on top of the Hanukkah menorah. It had two uh, holes for Shabbos candles, and uh, so we didn't have Shabbos candles yet, so we used to use it for Shabbos. That was okay. It came the first Hanukkah, so I tried to use it for Hanukkah. It was very pretty. It was made out of silver. The interesting thing about it was that there was only one. Inside, it had eight holes, but only one uh, receptacle underneath the holes. So the first night, at about 2 o'clock in the morning, when I was going to sleep, and my wife said, you can't let it burn all night. So I said, why not? She said, well, you're going to burn the building down. So I started, that's why I started putting it out. But it would have burned, the first night it would have burned forever. The eighth night, it only burned four hours. But the first night, there was enough oil in the, there was no way to restrict the amount of oil. And so what Thomas is really saying is, lovely, why not burn it for... A hundred days. It's Pesumanisa. So whatever you put in, therefore you're marked. Um, that sort of goes against, it, that's a very a problem in the previous terrace, what I said. The previous terrace, I said that uh, you're allowed to lechatchila, start counting the money, start cleaning your fingernails by the light as soon as half hour is up. Tosas is saying that after half hour is up, the minimum, the chiyu of mitzvah has finished, but the kiyu of mitzvah the mitzvah still exists. So, obviously, you could end it. You just say, I'm not interested anymore. I don't have to do it. You don't do anything, but I'm not, I, I, I declare the mitzvah is over. But at least the chadchila, you shouldn't. And therefore, you shouldn't probably be counting your coins by the light either, because as long as you let the candles burn, this implies the mitzvah does, in fact, in fact, continue. I assume this is, this is really, this question has a visit in almost every house. You really wonder, like, you know, like, if you're using oil, if you're using uh, Hanukkah candles, so they... Halabai, they should burn 32 minutes. But, but uh, if you're using oil, it always burns much longer. And you really wonder whether or not, uh, should I leave it? Should I not leave it? So Tosus really seems to imply that the longer you leave it, the better, the better it is. Okay, so that's Tosus' tablets to explain why, um, a side question, uh, why is it us on the eighth, the ninth day, the tenth day? This is already after, there's no longer any mitzvahs. Even the concept of hukza lim mitzvata is hukza lim mitzvata. It was set aside 
The word hukza means set aside. It was set aside for the mitzvah, but that's only for the mitzvah. So he explains, no, the, the amount of oil was set aside to be burned on the eighth day. It didn't burn the eighth day, but it was set aside for the eighth day. Because you, you hoped it would all burn and left over because uh, the candle went out. And therefore it's also even afterwards. Okay, could be. It's an interesting terms. Uh, I would like to suggest a different, a different uh, explanation for what's happening here. A different explanation than the Achronim's Tevitz that I mentioned. And for that, we have to really see the source of this halacha that they call the name of the Shilta. The source is a Psikta. Um, the Rav Kahana. Oh, no, no Psikta Babati. Um, which was only printed about uh, 130, 40 years ago uh, by a man named Friedman. And therefore, it's called Psikta Babati Ishalom. Um, Friedman. Uh, he changed his name to Ishalom, not because he was an Olech Hadash. He, I believe he lived in Hungary, but he was a stickled Tsiyani. And, and it's known as the Ishalom edition of the Psikta. And the language goes more or less what the, exactly what the Rosh quoted. He quoted it correctly. He just didn't quote the, the following three lines that I'm interested in quoting. So the Psikta says as follows. It's Piska Gimel in Parshat uh, Bayom HaShmine. It's interesting. The Medrashim, the Medrashim on Hanukkah are found in different places. There's no place to put a a Jewish on Hanukkah in the Torah. So you have to find a place. So sometimes uh, it's in the beginning of Baal Otcha because of uh, interesting Medrash that says that Amarakawin complained why he wasn't getting to do anything and, and uh, God said to him, don't worry, your, your children will be the Hashmonaim. Uh, but the other place, and what you wouldn't have thought of, is in the Nesim, but on the eighth day of the Nesim because it says eight. So this Medrash is found in, not by Yom HaRishon, Ikriv Korbano, Netano Ben Soar, but in Yom HaShmini, Ikriv Korbano, Shevet Menasheh. I don't remember his name. Uh, because it says eight. So eight created an association with, uh, with Hanukkah. As Yilamdeinu Rabbeinu, you've already heard this, I'm recording this word for the same thing. Ne'er shol Hanukkah shutach shem en mau, tzarich lasot lo. Limdunu raboteinu, it's interesting the answer, because in the Vash it said, Tanu Rabbanan which is a classic language for something that had to be a bright in some place. The bright that doesn't exist. So it could be that it did exist, if we've uh, lost track of it. But the truth is, in the Psikta it says, I'm the source. Limdunu Raboteinu, there's no other source. This is the source. The Psikta is the source. Raboteinu, Chachamim said, Ne'er shochayna kashut ha-shemen b'yom ha-rishon, mosifu da-shem odikob yom ha-shini, mutab yom ha-shini, mosifu da-modikob yom ha-shlishi, v'chem ha-shah yamim, mutab yom ha-shmini, osenu medurah v'sorvah v'fnei atzma. And then the Psikta continues in the following statement. A person should not say, I assume nobody in the room ever said this, a person should not say, I don't think that I have to be Makayim Mitzvot, which are Mitzvot Zekenim. In other words, the Rabbanan, Mitzvot of Chazal. So God says to that individual, So how do we know that you supposed to do Mitzvot Rabbanan? Because it says, We're oh, familiar with the idea. I'll read, I've already finished, I've already read enough, but since the, the rest is interesting, I will uh, do you a favor and read the rest. Uh, and, and why should you pay attention? The answer is because it says on the Torah, but a little bit of propaganda to convince you. Uh, the Pasuk is quoted in many places in Chazal as indicating that Chachamim can force the Kodesh to do things. Here it's, it's, a, it's a matter of Halacha, but it's, it's also quoted in Chazal for Stam Gzelot. Chon Yamagel says, let it rain, so it rains. Tzadikim have the ability to make gzegot on the Kadosh Baruch Hu. Teidu lecha Yaakov. What's the example? It's an interesting example. Yaakov, ma'u omer, b'sha'ash yom avarech, Ephraim u'menasheh, v'yasim Ephraim b'fnei menasheh. Yaakov Avinu, as we know, switched Ephraim u'menasheh and placed Ephraim before menasheh. Asa et ha-katon, kodem la-gadol. V'nitkaima gzegato, eimatai, b'korbanot ha-nesiyim. הקריב שבט אפרים, תחילה שנאמר ביום השביעי נשיא לבני אפרים, וביום השמיני נשיא לבני מנשה. That's the connection to the Pasuk on which the Medrash is found. So Yaakov Avinu said Ephraim comes before Menasheh, and because he said so, that's why God 
invited, although it's not clear from the Pesukim, that's what took place, but God invited Ephraim to be Makriv Korban ahead of, ahead of Menashem. So if God has to listen to Chazal, you should also listen to him. Okay, very nice story. What's my question? Why is it here? This is the first time anybody met a Dindarabanan. Chanukah, before Chanukah, historically before Chanukah, there were many Dindarabanans. In, in the Psikta, which is in Bamidbar already, there have been many Dindarabanans mentioned before Chanukah. Jews, when they get up in the morning, meet the Dindarabanan, and they do them. If one of them has a question, I don't want to do Dindarabanan, so you should tell them, what's the connection to Chanukah Dafka? Chanukah is Dindarabanan. So it's a good question here, but it's also a good question before Chanukah, on the night, the first night of Chanukah, in the morning, you ate bread and you washed your hands. It's like your dying is the Rabbanan. I don't want to do the Rabbanan. So tell them, Kolashe Yarucha. Why all of a sudden, in Chanukah, was this question asked? Specifically, why is it asked about Halacha, which was just quoted, a rather obscure, not even about the main Chanukah. So he said, I don't want to light candles. He said, I don't want to light the Meduvah on the ninth day. After telling us that any Shemin left over, you're not allowed to use, you have to burn it, somebody goes up and says, ah, I don't want to do that. I guess because he's very cheap. He doesn't want to lose the two cents worth of oil. And he says, no, I can't do that. I really must put it into my salad today. We tell him, no, Chazal will go there. I have to do it. God says, you have to do it also. This is the place that the Psyk decided to introduce to us the concept that Gzeyot the Rabbanan, Mitzvot the Rabbanan are, are legitimate, are, 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 are mandatory. Why? What's the connection? So what I'm about to say now might sound like a little bit like Jewish. On the other hand, there's no better answer, so therefore it must be true. <laughs> and to go back to our original question, we have two slightly different isurim. One is that you're not allowed to benefit from the candle. You're not allowed to benefit from the light of the candle. Another is that you're not allowed to benefit from, you're not allowed to use or benefit from the oil. The chefza, the object being having benefit from, is a different object. In one is the light, and the other one is the oil. We naturally associate them because they go together. The light itself comes from, comes from the oil. But I suspect very strongly that that's really the distinction being made. The ESO to have benefit from the light when it's burning, questions like this, what is the actual, I'm using a technical term now, what is the actual chefza of the mitzvah of Chanukah lights? Um, you have a, you have to have a receptacle. Receptacle has oil. The oil has a wick. Then you light it. And then there is nothing, no new object, but there is a new object. The new object is, is the light. Okay, so let's answer, once, once you ask, before you ask the question, it might not be obvious, once you ask the question, answer from the stomach. Or answer for, as we would say, from the kishkas, from your kidneys. What's the right answer? What is the thing that you have to have, you're supposed to have on Hanukkah? So I don't think it's candles. It's not oil. It's the light. Now, we don't usually, we don't, we don't normally think that way until we reflect on it because light is not actually an object. It's not a normal object. It's not something you can, it's, it's, it's energy. Or forget the modern terms. It's even in ancient terms, it's not actually an object. It's not something you can touch and move around. Um, but offhand, that's really true. The mitzvah on Hanukkah is exactly the way uh, the English translations, in this case, they were right. It's the, it's the holiday of lights, not the holiday of candles. You have to buy candles, but it's the holiday of light. The idea is to produce, is to produce, uh, is to produce light. I'll go even further. The thing that's based on lighting the menorah in the, in the Mishkan. It seems, you have to really debate it, but it seems obvious, it seems clear to me that there also the mitzvah is to produce light, not to, not to burn oil. We're not trying to get rid of the oil in the world. We're trying to produce something. What we have to produce is the light, and light has to come from something which burns, otherwise you won't be able to do it. Um, now, to have, uh, uh, so the bizui mitzvah, and before I give an example, but the example is wrong. There's nothing really wrong, at least technically wrong, if I can do a mitzvah with one hand, there's no reason why my left hand should be doing another mitzvah. It's not called bizui mitzvah. You know, I can split myself in two. And uh, with this hand, I, what can you do with one hand? I'm not a lulav and esrog with this hand. And uh, with this hand, I'm doing something for myself. I'm, I assume this happens today. I've never seen it. With your right hand, you're being not a lulav and esrog. your left hand, you're texting your friends in America. Um, I'm sure that some of you have seen it in shore. Those people who can't uh, stop doing it, some of them can do it. It's not even that hard to do. Uh, that's not Bizoy Mitzvah. 
I mean, you're an idiot, but it's not, it's not Bizoy Mitzvah. Because <laughs> the mitzvah is being done wonderfully. The thing, Bizoy Mitzvah, is to take the object of the mitzvah and take it off its pedestal. The, the, the lulav and the esrog, you could use, you could, you could be not a lulav and esrog, and also fan your neighbor and cool them off. That's Bizoy Mitzvah. Because the etrog, or the lulav in this case, is, is serving two purposes. And it should, it should be dedicated to the mitzvah. You do a mitzvah, it's the only, the only thing that the object is being dedicated to. I can multitask. I, 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 I mean, I can, I can imagine a Musa Shmuz says that when you're doing mitzvahs, you shouldn't be multitasking, but I don't think that's Allah. Uh, it might be not a nice thing to do, but it's not Allah. But the object of a mitzvah, it's bizui to, 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 to have him multitask, to use it for two different things. The object of Hanukkah candles is the light. Not the shaman. You can't light without shaman. Shaman is what we call machshive mitzvah. Wax, shaman, something. You can't produce light without it. And light has to be, I mean, someone's going to ask me, I, I'm assuming that someone's asking me, I suppose you can't produce light without it. You know, we'll have some sort of uh, high-tech kind of light. Uh, so the question is, what Chazal call light? Okay, it has to be the kind of light that's similar to the light of the Vesa Mikdash, so it's light which comes from combustion. But, and, and you know that there are tubes whether electric lights are good for Hanukkah or not. Uh, many people can actually think that they are good. Uh, but you can always debate the situation. But, any, but even if you need dafka, combustion light, it's not the oil, which is the chet z'shev mitzvah. That's a technical halachic term. So therefore, the bizoy mitzvah applies to the light. Now the light, there's no question about the ninth day or the tenth day. For a very simple reason. Let's say you lift a cap, I, I, I put in too much oil. I... Uh, I can only think of one example for that. Uh, I work for Chabad, so I put in 12 gallons of oil into my 90-foot uh, Hanukkah menorah, and then I went home, and I came back 24 hours later, and it's still burning. Yeah, but that light that's burning now, every second the light is new. Light, as opposed to things, has no permanence. It's basically not an object at all. It's a, it's a process. For those of you who learned Baba Kava, I think that's Malchakas Vishlakash and Aviochan as to whether or not Eishu Bishum Chitza, Eishu Bishum Mamono is fire, an object that's owned by somebody, or fire is something you do. So, but it's surely true about the object called the light. The light that I see on the ninth day, because it's been burning for 24 hours, is not a Hanukkah light. It wasn't lit on Hanukkah, it was lit a second ago, it was produced a second ago, and there's no connection to Hanukkah, it's not Hanukkah anymore. So, therefore, the 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 Rishonim, the the Rif and the Rush say that after half an hour it's not Hanukkah light anymore. I suspect Tosfos now holds not that way because as long as it burns it's a more mitzvah. But according to the Rif and the Rush, uh, half hour is up. The new light that only came into the world on the thirty first minute is not Hanukkah light. It's something that was being produced in a menorah, but it's not a Hanukkah light. So therefore, it's clearly mutter. The Shemen, that's a different concept. That's called Huxel Mitzvatah. The, the point is correct. Huxel Mitzvatah is not, is not because it's a mitzvah. Something which you took and dedicated it for a purpose A, for a holy purpose, doesn't become Chepzah Mitzvah. But it's been dedicated. It's been, it's, been, it's been designated for a particular purpose. So the Shem and Shabaneh has been designated in order to produce light. So that's technically not a Chepzah Mitzvah, but a Machshire mitzvah, something which is necessary in order to do something, but that also attains a certain a certain status. We have these halachas about things which are clearly not chetzal mitzvah. Uh, there's a discussion in the Achronim, A mole, a mole has a knife. Can he use the knife to uh, to uh, skin his tomato, to skin his oranges? It's clearly not a chetzal mitzvah. Uh, the fact that you, the fact that it has a different name. As a special name in Yiddish, doesn't make it a chetzal mitzvah. It's just a knife. But if he has this knife and he uses it only, he's made it special. He's huhiksaoto in Hebrew for this purpose, the purpose of mitzvah. So maybe it shouldn't be used for something else. There's a discussion about that. Uh, it can be done for anything. If I have a toothpick in my house, which I use only for uh, I don't know making a hole in the, the candle so it'll burn or something like that. Or I use it. I do have a toothpick in the house that I use to stuff the wicks into the uh, into the uh, pipes for uh, for the Hanukkah candles. So maybe that toothpick shouldn't be used to clean my teeth. Maybe yes, maybe no. That's the concept of hooks of the mitzvata. You designate it for a positive purpose. You shouldn't use it for other things. Uh, a special a special halach. I say its limits are unclear because the Gemara is only two Gemara, three Gemara's like that. They mention the concept altogether. Um, so here the concept is that the Shemen 
has been hooked for the mitzvata. And as Tosus points out, that could really be also the ninth, the tenth, and the twentieth day. It's a different object altogether. Whereas the 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 the, the, the bizoy mitzvah applies to the chetzer. But I think from the psikta we learn a improvement to that point. The truth is that hooks the mitzvah should not apply to shemen, because since it's only it's not you're not doing a mitzvah with the shemen. You need you have to burn something. Basically, it's a negative thing. You have to you. In the end, you're getting rid of it. The only way to produce light is to destroy something else. And so it's fuel. The fuel, it's not even called hooks of the mitzvata. You're, uh, you're using it, but I don't think it's hooks of the mitzvata. What the psikta is claiming, and now I'll answer my question with the psikta, why does the psikta raise the question of, why should I follow the rabbanans? And I think the answer is clear. You don't need this psikta to tell me that if the chazal made a rabbanan, that it applies. All of shas, all of the Torah is based on the fact that there were many and the reason why you follow them is because you're supposed to follow them. If they tell you to do something, you have to do it. They have authority. That's a din of authority. But the din of the Shem and Shabbaneer isn't that they told me not to, not to have enough of it. Why did they say that? Was there any reason why one day Chazal sat down and said, hey, let's make a Gzevad Don't have enough of the Shem. There's no reason to say that. It's, it's implied by the very halacha of burning Chanukah candles. Why? Because what the psikta is claiming here is that the reason why you're not allowed to have benefit from the oil forever, and this will also answer Tosas Kasha, not for Tosas' answer, is because the Shemen has a din of, Midrabanan for sure, has a din of Hektesh. In other words, it's not Mukza, but it's, 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 it has a din of Kodesh. I'll just point out something which maybe we don't take seriously, but that's what it says in the Hanewa uh, Talalu prayer. We actually say, we actually use those words, and since we learned them when we were five years old, we pay no attention to them, and we sing them, so we surely pay no attention to them, but the words are halachically very suspect. What do you mean? The word Kodesh has a very particular meaning. The fact that something is important or nice or wonderful, it's not called Kodesh. Maybe in colloquial Hebrew, but not in halachic Hebrew. Kodesh means something. So, by what basis do we say what sense of a Kodesh? What the Psikta, I think, is claiming, without actually explaining it, but we're only from looking at the question, is that given the fact, the historical basis, the light in the Hanukkah candles is in remembrance of Minorata Mishkan, so in fact, we take that very seriously. There is a halacha that says that in some manner, it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a revolutionary and extreme idea that in some manner we are lighting menorata mikdash in our houses. Now, it can't be literally menorata mikdash because there will be a lot of problems with that. Uh, you're not allowed to light menorata mikdash. You're not even going to make a menorah, menorah, which is why we don't make a seven-armed candelabra, but an eight-armed candelabra. But even so, you, you can't do that outside the mikdash. But in some sense, as a zecher, it takes the place of menorata mikdash. And what the Siktas question was, okay, I know you have to listen to Chazal, but how does Chazal have the power to actually change the mitziut, to change, to change reality? In other words, if Chazal tell me not to eat chicken and milk, I won't eat chicken and milk. But that doesn't turn the chicken into meat. The chicken is still only a chicken. Chicken is not meat. So you're not allowed to eat it because you're not allowed to eat a lot of things. So Chazal say, don't eat it. I won't eat it. What we call the halachic terms are, it's an isogav, not an isochevza. But to actually make chickens, to make them into meat, God can do that when He created the world. But who are Chazal to actually change the mitziyot? So that's why on this mitzvah, you're saying, I'm not allowed to use the shemen when the time is over. Why not? There's no bizoy mitzvah. The mitzvah is over. And, and the, even the hooks of the mitzvah, Tosvat is incorrect. Or Tosas' answer is incorrect. I know that hooks of the mitzvah is only for seven days by Sukkot, so it's only eight days by Hanukkah. Once the mitzvah, I, I, I dedicated it for eight days, no longer. Once the eight days are over, the shaman is not dedicated for anything anymore. I should be able to use it. Why can't you use it? Because it becomes, Midrabanan, I agree, Midrabanan, it becomes Shemen Shal Kodesh. And then I say, why would I listen to Chazal? They say Shemen Shal Kodesh. They can't change it. If the Chazal say the wall is black, it becomes black. Chazal say that, that something sweet is sour, or something sour is sweet, it becomes sweet, it still tastes terrible. Chazal say that the Shemen is Kodesh. I know it's not Kodesh. Time is up. 
I'm not insulting the mitzvah. I'm not using something which has been dedicated to a mitzvah anymore. So I can therefore use it. Uh, why would I listen to them about that? And the answer is, and that's why the, the extreme language that's used here, no, they can really change the mitzvahs. What's the proof that Chazal can, on the level of the Rabbanan, change the actual reality? Even God listens to them. Clearly God doesn't listen to them because they have authority. Whatever you can say about Chazal are trying to say something exaggeratedly true, but they're not claiming that, that, that God is subject to the authority of Chazal. He's the authority. They're only the sub-authority. The answer is, though, that uh, God plays on their rules. So if they say that the white is black, then it becomes black. If it really becomes black, then God treats it as black as well. So, and if the example is, I'm not sure we understood it this way. Uh, normally we think, when we read Bekot Yaakov, there are a lot of Bekot Yaakov. He gave it Bechat Ephraim, and to Menashe, and to Ruben Shimon Levi Yudashim, and Many of those bachot, later on, something took place that reflects the bracha. God, uh, Yaakov said to Levi that, uh, or said to Levi, and later on they became Levim. So why doesn't that prove anything? The answer is, it was a prophecy. It was true later on. But here I think the way the Bessit understood it is, Menashe is really the bachor, and therefore he really should be first. And you can't just say, let's do it some other way. And why did Ephraim come first? Because... Ephraim was the Bechor. How did Ephraim become the Bechor? It's against the facts. When Asha was born first. How did Ephraim become the Bechor? Because Yaakov said so. So God says, if you said so, then he becomes the Bechor. You actually changed the Metzias. And therefore, later on, when they give the, the Korbanot, it's not that Yaakov predicted it, but he caused it. Because he said, Ephraim uh, should come before Menashe. So Ephraim now doesn't only come before Menashe. We'll, we'll put him first. You can't put him first. You have to do it in order, apparently. I don't know why, but you have to do it in order. And therefore, uh, Ephraim really was first, because he was born first, so to speak. He was the Bechor in terms of his, in terms of his Metziyot. Okay, so that's what I think this, uh, this Psikta is saying. And that explains the extreme Psak of the Psikta, of the Shiltot, which is quoted in Shulchan Aruch, and quoted by the Rishonim, that the oil is also forever. It'll be also on Pesach. Because this oil, not because it was hooked to the mitzvah tile, it was only hooked to it for seven days, not like Tosfa says. But once the oil is placed in, quotation marks, the holy menorah of the mikdash, which is found in the doorway to my house, it becomes Shemin Shal Kodesh. Shemin Shal Kodesh is an Isla Me'ila. You're not allowed to have any benefit from it. That's really inherent in the, in the object, in the chefza. And there's no way to get rid of that Isla. And therefore you have to burn it the way you burn other things which are left over in the Mikdash. Anything that's left over has no longer a positive purpose. You're not going to do anything with it. You have to burn it to get rid of it uh, because there's nothing else. It can't be used by regular people. It can't be used by, it can't be used by Chulam. The idea which is inherent in this is a very extreme and radical idea. I said it quickly. I'll just say it again, a little bit slower. If this is true, then the mitzvah of lighting a candle is not to remember, or not merely to remember that once upon a time, Kosh did chesed ba'am Yisrael and allowed them to light the menorah eight days early. You're all familiar with the questions that are asked, why is that a big deal? Eight days later they would have lit it. So they gained eight days. A lot of tablets and given as to why we're so excited about the fact that God allowed us to light the candle eight days earlier than it would have taken if we just waited for the shipment to come from uh, wherever, the, wherever the oil comes from. And, and they also could have lit betuma, nita like betuma. There's a whole long list of questions. It's basically a trivial, in terms of the effect, it's a trivial nace. It's a very impressive nace, but it's trivial in terms of its, in terms of its effect. So what I'm suggesting now is that it's not just to remember. You want to remember Yitzhak Mitzrayim, that's a big thing to remember. Because that changes human history. You want to remember Matan Torah, very, very important. To remember the fact that they found Pach Shemin in the, in the, in the Beit HaMikdash, not uh, significant, historically speaking. But the answer is, or at least the extra answer is, that when we like to know, it's not just to remember that God did aid, God did be. God did a lot of miracles in history. They were very impressive. It's to take, what we learned from Hanukkah is, that you can take the Or HaMikdash, you can take the Or HaMenorah, and once a year, we recreate it literally, literally, figuratively, literally, Kaviyachal. We try to recreate it on a certain level, Midrabanan, outside the Beit HaMikdash, and in our, own, in our own homes. Without going into the details, you can imagine a string of things which might be connected to that. Why is it Ne'er Ishu Beito? Why not Ne'er Ish Ve'ish? Why doesn't everybody have to light candles? Why is it a mitzvah that's inherent on a house? The people in the house, but only one, Al-Pidin, only one candle in every house, because you're not lighting to do something. We each have to 
be no Talula. We each have to hear uh, Shofar. We each have to eat Matzah. We each have to eat Mara. But here it's to create, so to speak, a mini replica of the Beit HaMikdash, not for anything physical. No Korban. That's why I said in the, in the beginning, and I'm happy to see that I seem to have gotten nods of agreement, you can't bring a menorah, menorah HaMikdash, into your house. What you can bring is the light. The light is not a physical thing, and therefore... It sounds like a, a vote for, uh, I don't know, for a chup or something. It sounds like a rabbi in shul. But I think it's really true. There's a mitzvah to have Oha Mikdash in your house. And therefore, you're lighting, you're lighting a menorah. You're not lighting the menorah. You're lighting a menorah because there's no way to light. There's no such thing as a menorah LPT. You can light, you can light on, on sticks. You can light on potatoes. Uh, you need to have the light, one light, which is reflective of the light of the Mikdash. That creates an afkamin of the psikta. That, oh, in that case, the shaman became Kodesh. And Shem and Kodesh, you have to then treat with extreme respect afterwards. You're not allowed to use it. Well, somebody, I think, much more significant than this little mini bonfire that we're all going to make this uh, uh, next week on, uh, on, uh, on Monday night or Monday afternoon. Monday afternoon, I think, is early. You can do it then also. Uh, is how we view the lights now. You see the lights, Ki Kodesh You're looking, so to speak, in a, in a periscope of you're seeing the light burning from the Beit HaMikdash. Obviously, that has super significance when there is no Beit HaMikdash. When there was a Beit HaMikdash, it was a cute idea. When there was no Beit HaMikdash, it becomes an exercise in the survival of the Jewish people's relationship with God. Our connection to HaGadosh is that we can still bask, or we can somehow see, we're still able to see, bask is the wrong word, that's also, you can see through a little narrow prism the light of the Mikdash still burning by doing this little miracle of lighting it in your house and ignoring the facts, ignoring where you're standing, ignoring how you lit it, ignoring who lit it, and nonetheless, by ignoring all the physical conditions of where it comes from, but just looking at the light itself, and you see the same light that burned in the Mikdash. That's a radical reinterpretation, I think, of, uh, of Adlakat Neirot. It has a lot of ramifications in Halacha. It can be proven which we don't have time to do. And so I hope that I convinced you based on this, this interesting psikta, which is, a, um, which is basically unknown. Uh, uh, the Rishonim only quoted the first halachic part, but the combination of the halachic part and the, the agadic part together, I think creates the uh, conclusion that I tried to, to present it.